0: might say to myself, you know what, I'm going to have a profound death, I'm going to have the most profound death possible, I'm all alone, you know, let's say I've, um, yeah, I've fallen down a crevice, out in the middle of the bush, and I'm down at the bottom of the crevice, I didn't quite die, but I'm dying now, and I'm just about to die, and I go, I want to have a profound death, I'm going to be an atheist for the next five minutes, there's nothing on the other side, you know? And I'm just going to just think about everything, the world, all that sort of stuff, everyone I've ever known, all that sort of stuff. It's, it's going to be so profound, and my death is going to be nothing, to, and I'm going to have a death that's not about me at all. And I'm going to let go. You know, almost like a Buddhist in a way. You know, I'm going to truly let go. Um and um, I'm going to let it go. And I'm going to let it be. And I'm going to die. <sighs> and, you know, maybe that's a kind of profound death. You know, I'll get a sense of calm and peace. And and huge irony. <laughs> Here I am. I thought I was that, you know, important. And I'm just going to just disappear now. You know, I think that'd be very profound. You know? yeah. Or I might, you know. Oh God! Oh God! Please take me to heaven, devil! You stay away from me. Yeah, you know, I might do that as well. You know, so there's a lot of options. All right, so you can do all that sort of stuff. But you know, when I just got leprosy, um, you know, well before you know, my hand, my toggle, everything fell off, you know, and then I, my eyes fell out, and I was wandering along blindish, and um, I fell down a crevice, and now I'm dying. Long before that, um, I um. I thought I'd go with the truth of science. So see, um, I was I, I, tr- science was truth for me, yeah, for a while. Um, and uh, oh, let's say um, the science failed to cure my leprosy, but it gave it a crack. You <laughs> know, good on you, science, nice try. And then, um, and then um, I fell down the crevice, and then I was dying, and then I thought I'm going to have a profound death. So I thought I'll be atheist. And then thirty seconds before I died, I said, "No, wait, uh, um, I repent, God." <laughs> and then I, so I've I've gone through three different phases there, and and none of those three phases are in competition with each other. I was using the different phases at different times, you know. And I'm a Catholic too, so in the last ten seconds, I said, "Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned." You know, I had ten seconds to go. I've got four more seconds. Um, I, I um, I have, um the sin I can remember most and I apologise for it please don't send me to hell for it was uh, and then I die damn off to hell That's a nice song. Uh, I just heard one line in that song. And it gave me an idea for my next episode. Um, And what was the line? Now, I missed the line. uh, Like, I pressed record after the line, so you didn't hear it. Uh, But the line was something like, uh, if, you know, you live by the rule... Of it's over, so I guess that makes sense. I'll make more of that afterwards, but I think I could turn that into a whole episode. She doesn't want the relationship to break up, um, and he does, but they're mo- they're both making sense. Yeah, there are two truths in play. But she has recognised that. Now look, it's, um, you know, I'm starting off by drawing a long bow, but I'm going to make something of it anyway, because it's one of my favourite ideas. Yeah. For her, it makes no sense that he wants to leave her. It makes no sense. It makes no logical sense, because for her, the relationship could, should continue on. But for him, it does make sense. It's logical that the relationship should break up. Um, because he is living by the rules of it's over. Um, and she is living by the rules of it's not over. Now, that might not have all made much sense. Or you might even be thinking, trite, you know, who cares? Yeah, it's an obvious point. But all my episodes are about obvious points. I'm not trying to be clever. I like talking about obvious things. And this is going to be another episode about obvious things. I'll make more of it later. Time to make something of it. Okay. Now. Now. According to the rules of it's over, his actions make sense. He is making sense. He's doing the right things. He's having the right thoughts. Um, He's being logical. Okay, according to the rules, it's over. The rules of it's over. But according to an alternative set of rules, that's her rules, of it's, well, it's not over, or at least it shouldn't be over. According to the rules of it's, it shouldn't be over, he is not making sense. Okay. He, um, he's being illogical. He's being you know, what are you doing smashing something so wonderful, you know, can't you see what a wonderful life you've got ahead of you and you're wrecking it, you know, you're making no sense, you're an idiot, you're stupid, what are you doing, you know, you're making no sense, right, so, now, how can he be making sense and not making sense at the same time, well, the answer's obvious, you know, um, you know, you know, uh, An example like that seems silly, because it's so obvious, you know, until you start applying it to other situations, is is my contention, you know, that's what I suggest. Um, I've started off with a very simple example, as far as I can tell, but I suspect that when I apply it to other situations, it's going to be, oh you know, so that's the that, ass, you know, or something like that, you know, but not with that accent, right, so, um, he's making sense, and he's not making sense at the same time, and by the way, um, I, uh, the woman in that relationship is being a wise person, as far as I can tell, and a feeling person as well. She's being a thinking person and a feeling person at the same time. So she's being quite a full person. Now she might be being a spiritual person as well, but I don't understand spiritualism. So spiritualism is out of um, scope for this episode, which sounds pretty strange from someone who is talking about Christianity, but I don't really understand spirituality much. Uh, right. But I understand thinking and I understand feeling, I think. All right. Now, this woman is a thinking and a feeling thing. Uh, because she is still feeling. Obviously, she feels... She's in love with this guy, you know. Um, she feels... uh, She's not denying her feelings. Um, she's saying that she's going to go down with... This is going to send her down to the bottom of the ocean, this one. You know, she's going down with this ship. Um... She's finished, you know. Um, she's going to be heartbroken for the rest of her life. Okay, so the feeling is there, right? She hasn't denied her feelings. But, interestingly enough, she's also thinking, you know. She's thinking from his perspective. So she's um, she's been able to think outside her own perspective and see things from his perspective um, from, you know, from a different perspective, right? And she can see that, yeah, what he's done makes sense according to the rules of it's over. Okay. So she's a wise one, that one. Right. Now, I wonder if I can apply this to some other. Context is what I would have said had someone not rung me ...and cut my episode off yet again. It'll keep happening. Back to it. Well, before... Well, uh, before I... Before I do get back to it... um, Before I do get back to it... I, I I just twigged. That song at the start of this episode... Is by Dido. I don't know much about Dido but I remember the name because it's stuck in my head. Uh, I I, I just twigged now that that's the song that's by her and uh, it's stuck in my head because I like Rome and Dido was the Carthaginian, the Queen of Carthage and uh, and you know in the myth of Rome, we might be able to make something. I'm sure I can make something of this too, in the context of this episode, afterwards too. Um, uh, you know, about you know, how people can have different truths, right? Uh, so, in the myth of, you know, in Rome's origin story, one, uh, one of Rome's origin stories, uh, A- Enus. Uh, I, I don't know if I pronounce his name right was a Trojan who escaped from the Trojan War. He's a general. And uh, he uh, wandered. He, he, he escaped uh, as the Greeks came in. And, you know, because the Trojans lost. And he escaped and he went off to... He, he actually um, found safe harbour. He, he went to Carthage where... The Carthaginians were, unsurprisingly, um, the Punic people. <laughs> Punic, you know, means purple. People, you know, the Roman, uh, because um, they're the Phoenicians. Uh, they're a Semitic people. Uh, the Phoenicians uh, colonised what became for them Carthage. Okay, it's a long story. It's in modern-day Tunisia, is it? Uh, And, anyway, uh, which is not far from Italy at all. It's where the refugees sort of depart from these days, heading across to Italy. It's a short hop and jump. A short hop. All right. So, uh, and Italy, you know, speaks of Rome. Right. So, anus. You know, I've got to say that carefully because it always sounds like anus to me. Enus. Um... He escaped the Trojan War in the, what, the Bosphorus, whatever, and uh, rushed off to Carthage and had an affair with Dido, the Queen of Carthage. Now, I don't think he really did, um, and I'm not sure that there was a Dido, or maybe there was, you know, Dido is a bit like the Queen of Sheba over in, let's say, Ethiopia, you know the Queen of Carthage, you know, might be mythical, just like the Queen of Sheba is probably mythical, you know? and then Solomon and Sheba get together, you know, ma- rather like the um, Dido and Enid get together, uh, and this is all in, uh, this is all laid out in the Enid uh, by what's-his-name, the Roman writer whose name escapes me just at the moment as I speak. Okay. Uh, can't even think. Um, you, you'll know, probably. (laughs) Uh, now, um, and that was Dido, and, um, and then Enid, Enos, dumped Dido and shot through to, to, where, Rome. And, um... And essentially started Rome, you know, um, so to speak. All right, and that's an origin story. You know, they've got the other one um, that happened much later, when you know he, he was the ancestral, you know, the ancient starter of Rome. But then the real Rome the, Rome, the city of Rome, that got the city of Rome that kicked off was much later. That's another origin story of Rome's. Uh, the um, Romulus and Remus and all that sort of stuff. Look, yeah, I won't go into all that detail. I've done that in other episodes. But point is, um, Rome had an origin story and and it involved this Trojan general who went and had a relationship with a Carthaginian uh, queen... And then just dumped her like a hot spud and then uh, then went across to Rome and, um, and had some battles with the local Latins there, Latinos or whatever, and so on. And somehow out of that, Rome started, you know, and then a long time went by <coughs> and then eventually Romulus and Remus were born and bang. Rome really takes off, okay, something like that, you know, but what's interesting about that story, and it could be relevant to what we're talking about, is, um, let's flip it all on its head, and that's where it becomes relevant to this story, let's flip it all on its head, Um, what the Romans did notice, let's say the Romans had no idea about how it all started way back then, okay, the Romans had no idea where they had come from, Yeah, and I think that happens with a lot of cultures, I think the Ethiopians are the same, they have no idea where they come from, and because they just, they just um, emerge from the mists of ancient history, as we do, you know, um... And and so there's a it's hazy you know our collective memory can't remember how we started the indigenous Australians would be the same all of us are the same you know we were all something like a cousin of some sort of chimpanzee or something speaking of which a four million year old skull has just been uh, discovered in um, Ethiopia and I can't say it probably but of the the species of ape that this skull is a member of, is Ostro, you know, Ostro something, you know, it was South, Austro, Austro Ostropletheus or something, you know, um, it's one of them, yeah, but you know, it's um, more human than, you know, it's on the road to human, yeah, it's a bit more human than chimp, all right, Um, So, but let's get back to Rome for a second because it is relevant. You remember um, at the start of the, you know, in the Dido song, that um, the man in that relationship uh, lived by the rules, uh, had as a truth in his mind that it's over, you know. Um, So he, he, he had that locked in as a truth, you know. Now, look, theoretically, she could. His his, um, erstwhile girlfriend could, um, who lives by the rules of, no, it shouldn't be over, you know. She could get him to change his truth to her truth, you know. But for the sake of this episode, we're imagining people who lock in a truth and then um, make all logic fit, you know, all the evidence of the world They make all the evidence of the world fit that truth, you know. So um, if you believe that, you know, God made the earth in seven days, um, you would look around at all the physics of the world and make that fit, that truth, you know. You could do it, you know. If you believe that God made the universe only 6,000 years ago, um, and and then you found dinosaur bones that were 65 million years old, you would make that fit. You would say, you would start um, Creating, yeah, like your logic, and it is logic. You know, you say no, the Earth is six th- sixty-five, six thousand years old, and no more, and yet I do have these dinosaur bones, that, and um, that, say that for all, on all appearance, appearances seem to be sixty-five million years old, and you say to yourself, well, the fact of the matter is that they're not 65 million years old. They're less than 6,000 years old. So some other physics, maybe it must be at play here. Fact, you know, but fact according to that truth, right? So you lock in a truth, you know, that um, the Bible is, you know, literally true. And and then you make the evidence fit. Now, some people poo-poo that, you know, poo-poo. But I, I get it. You know you can lock in a truth and then make the evidence fit and there's nothing that's not genius about that you can you can bring a lot of genius to that process right um so it's a little bit like um you know if you play a game of football, you put a whole lot of rules in place and see what genius you can um you can put out there on the on the paddock yeah you know? yeah um but within those rules you know so um if suddenly, you know, because in football, um, you can only run 15 metres before you bounce it, all right? So that's a rule, that's truth. Um, now, uh, the greater you can, um, someone one day uh, might grab the ball and just run five, run the full, full length of the ground without bouncing and kick a goal, and you can say, um, well, according to my truth, where." that rule that you have to bounce the ball every 15 minutes is just plain stupid you know according to my truth that player is better than that other player who didn't do that you know? and I might say well yes but he broke the rules you know it, it doesn't fit in with truth the truth of the game the rules of the game um so he's not a great player and you say he is a great player he ran the full length of the ground and he kicked a goal and is the object not kicking a goal? He got a goal. Um, yes, he didn't bounce it, but I don't. Th- I don't accept that truth. See, and now um, that's messy. Um, I say, you know, it's more sophisticated in a way to allow humans to set down rules as long as it's not hurting anyone. I and mean, often it does hurt people. You know, when people create rules of truth and then make the evidence fit you know that can be a problem it can actually be used for good or evil um but you know just like in a football game the rules and the truth of football are that you can only run 15 meters you know and uh, without bouncing the ball you know and then you've either got to handball it or kick it all or bounce it you know and that's it you know that's a rule now um similarly with the bible Um, if you want to be a literal Bible reader, um, God did make, you know, you you create the rules, you say, listen, I'm going to accept these as rules, and have a powerful life within those rules. Just like with football, we create a set of rules, lots of them, and, you know, tackling the whole bit, rules of tackling, um, rules of rough play, and all that sort of thing, and then... The game becomes all the more powerful for the fact those rules exist. Um, and we don't break those rules. We make our judgments about what makes sense on the football field as regards who's a good player and who's not, depending on whether or not they're following the rules. Okay, so a person who runs the full length of the ground and kicks a goal without bouncing is not a good player, even though, yes, um, it was a spectacular run, you know, Um, by someone who could win the stall gift, you know. This is that fast, all right? So, yes, it's spectacular in its own way, but it doesn't fit the rules. Now, the Bible's the same. You know, you could, you know, um, and people do say the rules are that the earth was made in seven days only 6,000 years ago, you know, and then you say, all right, um, then... The evidence suggests that the Earth was a lot longer than um, six thousand years ago, um, and um, and uh, but you say time itself has been time itself has spread out, you know. Um, so as you go back in time, um, one year becomes equivalent to a million years you know so time itself is speeding up as it were you know you make all silly rules like that you know not necessarily silly rules what you're doing is you're having a powerful you're creating a powerful existence a powerful kind of set of reasoning that fits with the rules of the truth that you want you know your truth Okay, I can get that. Now, the Romans themselves... <laughs> you didn't think I was going to get back to that, did you? Yeah. Um, they, um, they observed, much later in their history, well after Dido and Anus, <laughs> um, that, they, that they and Carthage were mortal enemies. Oh, by the way, the Carthaginians were called the purple people for a reason um you know, the punic people uh because the romans used to get purple dye off them the phoenicians um uh because there was a fish you know and you could squeeze that fish and it was found in the area of phoenicia and you know because colors were very difficult to obtain back in the ancient time we make artificial ones now excuse me <coughs> and you could squeeze this fish and purple dye would come out And they used to squeeze lots of those fish, the Phoenicians, and sell um, uh, the purple dye um, and ship it across to Rome and sell it, you know. And the Romans loved purple because, you know, they used to put on their tunics, you know. So they, um, you know, punic for their tunic. (laughs) Um, um, It was bad. And, uh, okay, so the Romans observed that the Carthaginians were their mortal enemies, and, um, and they said there must be a reason for that in ancient history, you know, why the Carthaginians and we Romans are mortal enemies, um, and they established it, they said that there must be a solid gold reason for that, so, um, they made up a, they made up a reason really, I suppose you know, drawing on some mythical ideas handed down, you know, whatever, and, uh, and they made they made it fit, you know, and came up with this story. Um, you'd think his name would come to me by now, wouldn't you? All right, so we had Homer, who wrote the Odyssey and the Iliad, and in the time of Augustus, we had, what's his name? V, 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 starts with V, and not Voltaire. <laughs> um... I can't believe I can't remember it. Who wrote the Enid, you know? Um, Okay, so that's that. I should never go on the, you know, saddle of the century. uh, Because I kind of know stuff, but I kind of forget in the moment. Right, so, look, that was a a lot of chat and all that sort of stuff. But, oh, let's get back to whatever I was talking about. I actually inserted this in the um in the podcast I came back and I was listening back to my own podcast and I just inserted this so and um and I do recall that after this I expressed some boredom with what I was talking about altogether so let's get back to where I was saying that which is coming right, which is coming up right now I suddenly got bored with this subject and I'd just started <laughs> last night. I thought, oh, I can't be bothered doing this um, episode uh, because it is a little bit captain obvious. Uh, so I almost thought, nah, I'll just stop. Yeah. Now, isn't that interesting? You know, because if you, yeah, I'm clearly not looking for listeners if I'm going to admit that, yeah. So, Uh, If I haven't um, alienated every listener who's accidentally come into this podcast by now, there you go. I'll even tell you that the thing I'm talking about bores me. (laughs) So, what chance has it got of interesting you? Um, Of being of interest to you? So, yeah, just switch off. Okay, now, back to talking to myself. So, um, Jack and Diane. Uh, Yeah, look, I'm going to try and yeah, like it's um, it's like you know, you have to do something and you've got to pep yourself up a bit. All right, pep myself up a bit and try and get interested in this subject again. I really should go and talk about penguins instead because I like I like penguins and Captain Cook and rock and roll. They're my three things that I like the most. Um, Don't like rap and uh but i've taken an interest in rap recently uh i forced myself to take an inter- interest because my goddaughter wanted me to take an interest you know she was sending me rap things you know now order you know up until now or up until recently i've just ignored rap you know they you, know, you obviously know it exists but you know you see i see rap or hip hop come on the tv and uh switch off you know Um, not, you know, like, you know... Well, my, my, um, uncle and I were playing pool. And there was hip-hop playing on the TV screens while we were playing pool. And it was, um, practically wrecked the night, you know? Trying to play pool. And, um, there's some bloke on the, um, on the TV screen... You know, with gold all over around him, you know. And um you know, gold bling they call it. And um and he's got about sixty four women. He's he's in a mansion somewhere and he's got sixty four women and um and they're all shaking their bums at the camera, you know, and you sort of think, I'd oh, give it a rest, you know. Um I used to work on a farm, I saw that with pigs, you know. Um, right, now, um and and just the attitude, you know. Now, now there is a silver lining to this story, uh, because I did force myself to take an interest in rap and hip hop, and um, and as a result of that, you know, as is the case with many things, uh, I did come to appreciate some elements of rap, not so much hip hop. Um, I haven't really investigated hip hop much. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not about the rudeness or anything like that. I mean, I'm into rock and roll. and There's nothing ruder. There is nothing ruder than rock and roll. Um, rock and roll means sex. You know, that's what it means. Um, uh, but rock and roll—I don't know. At least it's—it's um, it's sort of. There's a bit of a, it's a uh, there's a smirk involved, a bit of a smile. Um, it's a joke. Rock and roll is a joke. It's about having fun, you know. Um, it's done double entendres all the way. you know. Like, um, uh, I, I probably, you know, I probably know, I have probably heard four thousand rock, rock and roll songs in my life, even rock songs, you know, everything from ACDC, right, you know, right back to the Beatles, right back to, you know, and. Not one swear word, yeah. Maybe one or two has have slipped through. But you can listen to rock and roll and rock even and you won't hear swearing. Ever. You know. ACDC, their entire career. Uh, I'm pretty sure no swearing. Yeah, you know, they never said a swear word once. You know, this is a hard rock band. Um and uh, Rolling Stones got very rude. Very rude. You know, they didn't swear, you know. So there's something about that that I like, even if though they're being rude, because i got nothing against sex, you know, per se. I just don't, you know... Um, the, the Prince was probably the first one who started just saying it, you know. So I give it a rest, you know. No, uh, you're messing it up, you know. That messes up sort of the fun angle of rock and roll. Um, and, you know, rappers, they and hip-hop people, they just come out and blurt it out, you know, F this and F that and F you, you know what I mean? And all that sort of stuff, the whole song, you know, and you sort of think, oh, tiresome, you know. Um, It just lacks, I don't know what it lacks. It lacks something. Um, All right, so that's that. Um, But I did come to appreciate it, you know. One thing I did come to appreciate, realise is that um, I am actually I actually have um, a certain affinity with rappers because I like to bang on and on about things, you know, just talk and talk never stop, you know, that's me you know, just go on and on and on Yeah, you know, and I've ended up, you know, thinking, I've ended up working out that the best way to do that is to talk to myself, hence these podcasts you know, I don't bang on so much with it there's probably only one other person I talk to a lot and that is my goddaughter, but she talks a lot too so you know we you know we've we've found um, camaraderie in that uh, so I can chat and chat and chat to her, but she's fine with that you know because she chats at least as much back uh, probably more you know. um, so you know we're just coded that way uh, and Kanye West he said he's coded that way too see I'm learning about rappers. Um, you know, someone said, why do you, you know, I can't remember the exact question, but it was along the lines of, Kanye, why do you just bang on, and on, and on, and never stop, you know, are you ever going to shut up, and he said, well, um, I'm just coded that way, I don't know why I just coded that way, so I'm just going to keep doing it, because that's me, and I thought, yeah, I get that, that's me, so I've got an affinity with rappers, and, and obviously, I've Departed from the topic of this episode because you know, I'm taking a break from what this episode is supposed to be about, which is something about the way that humans put truth first. Ah, sorry, they work out what their their truth is. Now I hear that my goddaughter sends me things, is you know, uh, from the world of social media. I like it. I've got my goddaughter and my wife. Um, send me things from social media because I'm not on social media Um, uh, but it's you know like um, so that I don't have to be on social media um, but it's targeted isn't it Um, because if you're on social media yourself to find something that might be vaguely of interest to you you uh, you have to scroll through 400 things that aren't and I actually have the personal opinion that those 400 things are causing you damage because you're getting overexposed to too much information. Um, and, you know, I'd rather someone else did that um, if they're if they're interested in doing that, because a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people are. They just sort of, I'm sure they just, what is it, scroll and swipe and swipe and scroll and just see floods of information pass through, past their eyes um, all day long or half the day long. And, but then well i'm I'm very lucky um i've got you know people you know i've got someone you know uh, my goddaughter will say, take a screenshot and send it to me, what do you think of this you know and and that's all I 'll see for that day one thing you know, and I can say ah and i've got, it's a lot more calming for the spirit to not have seen all the other stuff you know like I'm pretty pleased with that it's a lot like uh, parliamentarians um they get um, a version of the news that is cut back. So, what was I talking about? Um, so the whole episode is about truth. Oh, yeah. Oh, ah, yes. I was about to say, um, uh, my, I, I see in little sort of memes that my goddaughter sends me, that there's a lot more talk of know your truth, you know. They've got a certain way of speaking on the internet. We're in the social media world, I, you know, you are a queen and you know your truth. And I go, oh yeah, I like that, you know. You know your truth, you know. There's a lot more of that going on these days, I think, than when I was young, when people say this is the truth, you know. Now I'm sure a lot of people on social media are doing that too, but maybe, you know, um, people are modifying each other's speech on social media such that um, you know because they're so exposed to each other and they're all you know they must be noticing that everyone's got different truths. Now oh, this is interesting, this could segue all right, I might be able to get back excited about what I 'm talking about um Maybe because so many different people have so many different sort of truths, you know. Um yeah, rules for what truth is, you know, um, because they're so exposed to that, maybe the language is um, changing a little bit where people are starting to say my truth and your truth. Yeah, now, I really like that. I, I have no problem with that. Um, you know, because you know, if I'm a scientist, which I'm not, you know, um, uh, you know I have my truth which is based on the leap of faith that uh, my senses shall be the arbiters of truth, you know. Now, scientists don't quite, you know, that's that's a disservice to scientists. Scientists think a little bit deeper than that, a little bit more philosophically, you know, because science is a kind of philosophy in a way. Scientists don't, they don't actually um, say, I am going to trust my senses as the arbiters of truth, and if I can, um, sorry, I'm in a car park, I'm trying to navigate my way through cars, Um, so, you know, scientists are often accused by, uh, let's say, theologist types of believing in their senses and calling that truth, you know, and and Theologians that do that, did I say theologists? That's good enough. Theologians who uh, accuse scientists of doing that don't understand scientists, you know, because scientists don't do that. Scientists, um, a little bit more nuanced than that, they say, this is, they say, um, the truth according to our senses is the truth according to our senses. Gee, I like that definition of um, of science. Yeah. You know, they know it's limited to their senses, you know, the scientists. They know that it's um it's a limited perspective. And they say, you know, actually I'm gonna to stick to that. Scientists say, I think I've come up with something, that the limits of truth are for scientists that the um, the truth according to our senses is no more than that you know um, whereas theologians say the truth according to my you know spiritual intuition is a a truth that's out there you know like that's a, a universal kind of truth you know a truth that it's a truth independent of my senses as it were, or my intuition, you know um, they say um, uh, sorry'm I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of navigating in car parks here, so I'm only half concentrating on this episode. Um, there's a difference. I won't go on to explain it, but I think you already know what it is before I even started talking, okay I think the scientists have got a more humble idea of truth, in a way, than have your average theologian types. Okay, now, I should get back to the episode, I think I'll get back to the episode just in time to, um, say, give another five minute, uh, uh, (coughs) excuse me, another five minute burst on what I was talking about right at the start, and then call it a day on this episode. I'll end up not talking about what I was supposed to be talking about much at all, because I must admit I did get bored about it. And I'm bored of it. And um, I've I've ended up talking about something that that was more interesting to me. Okay. Um, So, rap. I was talking about that for a bit. And, ah, yes. My, um... So, yeah, sometimes I see um, snippets from the world of social media and memes that say, know your truth, you know. I say, oh, that's good, I like that, you know. That's very different from when I was a kid and priests would say, know the truth, you know. know, I kind of think that's kind of more more like a scientist, really. Know your truth, you know. Um, Science and faith are not in competition, you know. True scientists know that um, the science they are studying um, is a truth according to their senses, and the limits of that truth are that. And I'm staying. And, um, the, isn't it funny when you motion to other people that you're staying in a car park and you actually say it? <laughs> they can't hear you, you know what I mean? But you, you kind of hope they can lip read a little bit. Okay, and and she talked back to me. I could see she was talking too. You know, we're both in our little bubbles. All right, and um, so scientists um, have limits on the truth. Yeah, so true scientists and true philosopher scientists, uh, um, they say that. um, Listen, I have a truth here that is true only within the limits of. Um, what the senses can detect. Now, it happens to be a useful and an interesting truth. It's a small T truth. It's not a capital T truth. And why do I even bother pursuing that? Why don't I just throw myself into the Bible? Well, because my senses have to navigate this world. Um, so, you know, if I just throw myself in the Bible, you know, leave everything in the hands of God, my senses might detect that... I've got a serious that I've got leprosy. You know, I might detect that I've got leprosy one day. You know, you know, my senses tell me that I've got leprosy. Okay. Oh, uh oh, leprosy. You know, and um, now I've got two choices. You know, in that case, I can say, well, I can turn to science, and um, and um, say that all right. I'll run a series of tests on, you know, what sorts of things might be able to cure leprosy. Um, a, and my senses will detect a cure, and then I'll apply that cure to my body, you know, which is just a bundle of senses anyway, and oh, look at that, I've cured it, you know. Or um, I could be a theologian type and, um, you yeah, a, 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 a devout sort of God lover, and um, put my hand, you know, and pray, and put my health in the hands of God, you know, um, and die, you know, um, right, well, not before, you know, my fingers fell off, and, you know, and my ass fell off, you know, and all that sort of stuff, um, oh, other things, ah, that'll do, right, um, so, so, science sort of says, yeah, alright, you know, um, maybe it is God's will, and that's a truth, but um, I am going to employ a small t truth that I'm going to trust the senses on this one, you know, just put that hat on, you know, a hat with you know, uh, I will trust my senses, you know, just for the purposes of this one, and um, and you know, try and cure myself that way, and um. You know, on, on, on some other matter, I might trust, you know, I might trust my, um, a different truth according to theology, you know, theology or something like that. Or I might trust a sense of atheism if I want to have a really profound experience. Let's say I'm just about to drop dead. You know, I'm on my deathbed, so all talk of curing myself um, is out the window. I'm dead in five minutes. I might say to myself, you know what, I'm going to have a profound death. I'm gonna have the most profound death possible. I'm all alone, you know. Let's say I've, um, yeah, I've fallen down a crevice in, out in the middle of the bush, and I'm down at the bottom of the crevice. I didn't quite die, but I'm dying now, and I'm just about to die. And I go, I want to have a profound death. I'm going to be an atheist for the next five minutes. There's nothing on the other side, you know, and. I'm just going to just think about everything, the world, all that sort of stuff, everyone I've ever known, all that sort of stuff. It's, it's, it's going to be so profound and my death is going to be nothing. To, and, and I'm going to have a death that's not about me at all. And I'm going to let go, you know, almost like a Buddhist in a way, you know, I'm going to truly let go. Um, and um, I'm going to let it go. And I'm going to let it be. And I'm going to die. And, you know, maybe that's a kind of profound death. You know, I'll get a sense of calm and peace and and huge irony. <laughs> Here I am. I thought I was that, you know, important. And I'm just going to just disappear now. You know, I think that'd be very profound. You know? yeah. Or I might, you know, say, oh, God, oh, God. Please take me to heaven. Devil, you stay away from me. Yeah, you know, I might do that as well, you know. So there's a lot of options, all right? So you can do all that sort of stuff. But, you know, when I just got leprosy, um, you know, well before my hand, my toggle, everything fell off, you know, and then I, my eyes fell out and I was wandering along blindish and um, I fell down a crevice and now I'm dying. Long before that, um, I... um. I thought I'd go with the truth of science. So see, um, I was I, I, tr- science was truth for me, yeah, for a while. Um, and I uh, oh, let's say um, the science failed to cure my leprosy, but it gave it a crack. You <laughs> know, good on you, science, nice try. And then, um, and then um, I fell down the crevice, and then I was dying. And then I thought I'm going to have a profound death, so I thought I'll be atheist. And then thirty seconds before I died, I said, "No, wait, Uh, um, I repent, God." (laughs) And then I so I've I've gone through three different phases there, and and none of those three phases are in competition with each other. I was using the different phases at different times, you know. And I'm a Catholic too, so in the last ten seconds, I said, "Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned." You know, I had ten seconds to go. I've got four more seconds. Um, I I I have. um, the sin I can remember most and I apologise for it please don't send me to hell for it was uh, and then I die damn off to hell it occurs to me that I ended up talking about what I wanted to talk about all along fire that story just then. Actually, it was occurring to me as I was telling that story. Aha! All right, this is what I was going to talk about anyway, and I ended up talking about it. So that's kind of that. I don't really need to talk about it anymore. Uh, good. Uh, uh, any loose ends? Um, you know, because oh, because um, the um that multiple truths thing is related to the multiple truths thing with Jack and Diane earlier in the episode. You know, so named by me just now. Little Ditty about my Jack and Diane who, you know, split. <laughs> okay. Uh, and different truths, you know, and, um, and what's logical under one truth is illogical under another truth, and you know, vice versa. Um, but probably one form of wisdom is knowing, or like one form of humility. Forget about wisdom. One form of humility might be uh, might be uh, having the ability to recognise that there are multiple truths, which I think a lot of people on social media are starting to sort of realise. Or why do they call, why do they come up with that phrase, you know, your truth, know your truth? You know, I think I know what they mean by that. When they say know your truth, um, they are saying it's not necessarily a truth for everybody, and it's not necessarily true, per se, in a vacuum, you know, uh, sorry, universally, outside of ourselves, you know, if all humans were to go extinct, you know, that truth doesn't exist anymore, because it's your truth. And if you're gone, that's the end of that truth, you know, that sort of thing. You know, you could have shared truths. Shared amongst many people, of course. You know, you could have you can have whole communities of you know truth believers. Yeah, people um, who call themselves truth seekers. See, I hear a lot of these sorts of phrases too. Truth seekers. Um, they're they're not trying to find what truth is. They say that you know I'm trying to find the truth, but uh, the memes I see, um, they're just being loose with their language the memes I see suggest to me. Um, when people say, I'm a truth seeker and I'm trying to find the truth. Um, well, they're not really. They're trying to find their own truth, you know. Um, so, you know, you can have two people in dispute with each other and they both want to get to the bottom of the truth, you know. They want to, they're both truth seekers. Two truth seekers, you know, and they're, they have a different version, a different um, appreciation of, you know, what what might be correct and what might not be correct. And they're both seeking the truth. Look, they're both truth seekers and they both come up with two different answers. That's fine. We can handle that in the modern age um, because, you know, we've had the enlightenment. (laughs) All right. So that's that. Um, I gave rap, a bad rap before. I I am conscious of that. Um, I I said that I, I learned to appreciate... Some things about rap, um, but then all I did was smash rap, you know, in my chat before. But I did learn to appreciate things. Look, uh, the things that I, you know, the things that made me ignore rap um, up until you know my goddaughter kind of pushed it on me a little bit, and um, the the reason I was just ignoring rap and pretty much ignoring African Americans altogether—they were irrelevant to me um, unless they were rock and roll. like Little Richard. Um, But, you know, the modern rappers and modern African-Americans, I was pretty much ignoring all those people in my life. They were irrelevant to me. I did not have a problem with them and didn't, you know, I didn't love them either. They just weren't, you know, they weren't relevant to me. In the same way, are Inuits relevant to you? Yeah, you might say, oh, you should be interested in African-Americans, you know, and I say, why? Are you interested in what? Are you interested in Botswanans, you know? Are you interested in Outer Mongolians? Why aren't you taking a passionate interest in Outer Mongolians? You know, people say, you need to, you, you know, you must, um, you know, get get into all of this, you know, there's a powerful message, Martin Luther King, all that sort of stuff, and, you know, rappers have got a powerful message, and I say, I don't have to, unless you're willing, oh, look, I'll tell you what, you, um... You spend a year getting passionately um, interested and involved with the Uyghur people in Central, in the steppes of Central Asia, the ones that are getting picked on by the Chinese. You get passionate about those guys, and I'll get passionate about African Americans. Otherwise, I'll just ignore them. You know what's the difference? I'm not sure. All right, um, yeah, because we don't have an, ex- an African experience or an African American experience in Australia in our culture. I think we're getting more of one now, because it seems to be, you know, I don't take much of an interest in any Americans, really. I try and limit my exposure to Americans, so that includes non-African Americans and African Americans. I try and limit my exposure to those people. Um, Interrupted, uh, because uh, I am already overexposed to them. Uh, that's what I was going to say at the end of that bit. Uh, I wasn't interrupted by a phone call that time. My phone died. Huh, there can be a must be fifty ways to lose your podcast. That'll do for this episode. Uh, I had more to say I've always got more to say but I'll split the more that I've got to say off into a separate episode uh, because it's a minor point which I will uh, expand into an entire episode because I feel like it so that'll do for that episode